Hi, today is February 7th, 2023, and this is Mobile News Podcast 445. I'm Tato Gasawara, and this is a special Hawaii Techies edition. So John Westfall is not here as my usual co-host. Today I've got a old acquaintance, uh, Keeman Wong. And the reason I asked Keeman, I've asked a bunch of other friends too to join us over the next couple of weeks and months to talk about history of broadband in general and also history of broadband in Hawaii, which Keeman knows a lot about, at least from one perspective and probably from many others too. But uh, So Keeman and I started at the same place, although I think you may have left before I went to GTE. Uh, I got I got there in 1993, I want to say. That sounds so, right. So I was just about exiting. Okay. I, le- I left in February of 94. Oh, okay. So we overlapped by like five months or something. Not very much. I don't think we met while we were both at GTE. No. Um, so GTE Hawaiian Tel, which is part of GTE Telephone Operations. Uh, I actually worked for the corporate side. So it was a little bit different, but... Uh, versus the local Hawaiian tell uh, yeah. for reporting. But otherwise, you know, nobody could tell the difference. We all had the same badge. <laughs> but yeah. th- from there, there we diverged. So I was at GTE for the remainder of that millennium and uh, until it became Verizon in 2001, then my whole team got rift. So that was not fun at all. Um, and Keeman went on to what was at the time Oceanic Cable. Had Time Warner bought it yet, or was it still independent? Yeah, it was actually bought by Oceanic. I mean, I mean, Time by Warner. Time Warner. A, a while ago. Oh, okay, but prior I, to your getting there. But I was, I was working for the newly created Oceanic Communications, which ah. turned to into be a, a telecom provider. Cause yeah. Prior, prior to that, Oceanic was strictly cable, cable right. TV, and. Doing actually that touched it a little bit into internet or at least broadband, what was broadband at that time? Yeah, um, because it was it was a speedy. They were they were doing some some uh, experimental cable modem service with the DOE. Oh, I didn't know that. That was that was my predecessor at. Um, well, actually, this is a little between ninety ninety four and. Or ninety five and ninety nine, because that this is my when I was what I call my my second telecom days. <laughs> I went from the GT telecom to the Oceanic <laughs> telecom, and then to internet in ninety nine. But but internet was already started with um, my predecessor at Oceanic was Mike Meyer. Mm. He, he he now I think he's still CIO for HCC. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, he he was the original um, original general manager of internet at at Oceanic, and and I um, did some projects with him when I was at still at the telecom side of Oceanic. So uh, so it was it was interesting. It was the start, the very start of the internet, um, at least for us. I'm sure, I'm sure there were things going on before that with with UH and a number mm-hmm. of other places, but I was <coughs> I was still on dial-up. We were, since as, uh, I still can remember the days of trying to download files from from the <laughs> few servers that there were available. Yep. And you had to you were downloading a 
one meg or two meg file, and that would take all night. So you would you would dial up in, in late in the night and start the download and go to sleep. Yes, I remember. Hope it, hope it doesn't disconnect <laughs> along the way. I remember those days. Ah, the youngsters nowadays, they're so spoiled, huh, Keeman? Yeah. Couple of megs, couple of gigs, sure, we're done. <laughs> Many gigs nowadays. Yeah, we, uh, we, we have to be patient, right? I mean, very patient. In fact, I should note, you know, what I didn't note in my history is prior to that, at one point in the 1980s, I was at the university, work as a, as, a, as a staff member at the University of Hawaii's IT group. And at the time, I, I, I had previously did that. I'd worked for the Naval Ocean System Center. And so I had negotiated with the, the Navy to allow us to dial into their dial-up to get UCP, you know, Unix to Unix copy mm-hmm. protocol, mm-hmm. to get email and um, email and Usenet, you know, news, oh, text yeah. only, um, over dial-up. I think we were like at 9,600 baud. I don't think we even, no, we, no, we started at 2,400 baud. So it was 2,400 baud um, modem, so not even... Not even close to broadband, so yeah, yeah. I, I I definitely remember those days. I had slower, even slower than that. I started out with three hundred. Me too. Three hundred, and then twelve hundred was. The, yeah. yeah, I had a haze uh, three hundred smart modem uh, for my TRS eighty model one. <laughs> <laughs> this was so long ago, and we're about the same age, you know. So this was so long ago that there were no terminal emulation software, so I had to write one in eighty uh, eighty assembler. For the uh-huh. TRS-80, <laughs> or it had a Z80, but you know you could use the 8080 subset, which I yeah. Yeah. had assembled before. <laughs> the very first computer I, I used was when I was working at GTE, and it's, we started out, and uh, and you had a really a, a dumb green, oh, yeah. green monitor with green um, <laughs> green letters, characters. Yeah, yeah, green characters, and then. <laughs> What what is even worse than that was there weren't any dedicated printers. So the printer was actually a, a teletype machine. Oh yes. Linked up to the to the monitor or the terminal. It was a yep. terminal. And you would you would see the thing typing at whatever it typed at. <laughs> I think it was one ten baud. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know it was that fast. It was pretty slow. <laughs> you could hear it. Was hear it, it literally the old uh, ASR eighty? teletype machine yep. with the huge keys that are like about one inch high off the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, big, big ones. You could hear it. You hear the motor running on it. And yeah, it's the very first time. Yeah. And you know, in fact, I, mean, I think this predates your time at Oceanic Cable, but I found an, I think it's called, the, I, I'm going to go post a photo of it later, called the X Cipher Box, which I think I bought through Oceanic. It was a one-way data it was not a cable modem. It, it all you needed was cable TV. I think it sent it through. Does cable have white space like TV signals? I don't know, but yeah. you must. Yeah, there's white space, but I didn't. I don't. I don't know about that part. Yeah, and so I. It was one way only. You know, it was, it was read only, and I could get like stock quotes and some news items mm. and you know entertainment news and it, it was. And I think it was just a one-time fee. I think I just paid. A hundred bucks for the receiver, and there was no additional monthly fee. But this uh, predates cable modems, as as far as I know. Yeah, that Oceanic was really good about trying all kind of neat stuff, yeah. all new stuff, and that was that was one of them. 
I didn't. I don't think I ever played with that. Yeah. The, the first I knew about it was was um, the 10, 10 megabit symmetrical um, DOE project that or that was a, a cable modem. Oh wow, that was actually pretty advanced. Land Good. City. I think it was yeah. made by a company called Land City. I remember that name. That that brand that company name 10 megabits was a lot back then because i think yeah. and I was, in fact that's one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you i was trying to remember what kind of speeds we were getting because i think even into the 2000s maybe even 2010s we we're still like three down one up maybe maybe not even that much three down 768 yep. up um 2010 let's see so when i started oceanic cable as as the, the second Second, uh, Roadrunner GM. That mm-hmm. I think the speed of the internet was at two megs down. So two megs down. Yeah. And yeah, I don't remember what the up was. Yeah, but not not much. <laughs> yeah, slower, yeah. much much slower. Much slower, but still way faster than than a analog modem. It was probably like one twenty eight yeah. up or something. Right, and it, and it kind of grew every year. It got yeah. It double its speed it's kind of kind of the same thing I, they wanted to double the subscribers each year so the, that first year in 90 well i don't know when i showed up in 99 i think there was a there were like at least a 5000 customers there's somewhere between 2 and 5000 customers yeah. and the goal was to every year was to double it so it went from say for example 2 to 4000 to 8000 mm-hmm. you know, to 16000 customers and i'm gonna guess you probably did it too because uh you know it, it was really a dominant it, it it was and is one of the you know dominant players i i was a gt at that time and you might recall um you know as a <laughs> almost a humorous competitor in, in retrospect uh we were rolling out i was a part of the team that was rolling out dsl and you know adsl dsl VG, vhdsl all that stuff and it was it was almost comical when you think about it because I remember I got a cable modem while I was at GTE in the mid nineties um, because uh, because when when people asked me says Todd you're working for the DSL team why don't you have DSL at your home and I said a I live too far from the central office to get DSL because yeah. <laughs> there was a seventeen thousand foot linear foot limit you know as the cable runs and I was way beyond that and two. It's slower than the cable modem, <laughs> so <laughs> even if I could get it, I'd get a cable modem. Um, and so people kind of made a scrunchy face at me, go, oh, oh well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually, when I was still at GTE, worked on the kind of like the predecessor to DSL. It was it was the um, it was DSL technology, but it was used to provide T1 service. Which is 1.544 mm-hmm. megabits per second, and and the previous um, previous T1 service, you didn't, you could only um, you would get 1.544, and it needed to have um, uh, a what's it called a clear line. A line could not have any. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear the dog. No, nah, no problem. Yeah. But uh, the twisted pair could not have any uh, what's called bridge taps, which oh, is yes, which is a, like a multiple pairs going off here and there. And you had to, if you wanted a T1, it had to 
be cleaned of bridge taps. Yeah. And and so that took a long time. So if people who wanted that blazing speed of a T1, <laughs> they would have to wait up to like six months to get, get a T1 service because there had to be all this field work done to clear those those bridge taps. Yep. And then DSL came along and it, it had a, a way of dealing with the bridge taps, which the bridge taps actually caused the uh, echo, uh, uh, like a reflection off the, off the um, end of the, or off that where the bridge tap was, and and so the DSL equipment actually compensated for that, and so we we started to work on that. We and we got it down from, I think from six months service waiting for service to one month oh which, that's quite an improvement actually it, yeah yeah it was a big deal at that time a yeah big rush yeah one of the things we learned is that um uh you know aside from bridge tap there are other there are some repeaters that are up there in, in those right. for people who who look up who still have wired telephone lines near where they are and i still do if you look up the cans you see nowadays, the canisters you see now are usually cable modem canisters. But back then, a lot of them were telephone line cans yeah. with amplifiers. And those actually created noise that DSL couldn't, analog noise that DSL couldn't deal with in the, in the, in the, in the line. So those had to be removed too. So yeah, GT had to do a lot of removal of stuff to, to get DSL working, which is why it's really slow to deploy in my opinion. And like I said, I'm still not sure I can get DSL at my home. I mean, not that I would want it, <laughs> but uh, I mean, because you know the distance right. to the CO hasn't changed, and I, I still can't get fiber to my home either. Because I, 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 I'm not I'm not exactly in the boonies, but <laughs> from the point of view of technology, I am. I mean, I, I literally live only a couple of miles from you, I think, Keeman, and I think you have all of the modern amenities available to you should you choose to get it, yeah. but I do not. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. There's, I've had cable modem for a long time, and and there's actually Hawaiian tail fiber up on my street as well. Yeah, yeah. But and we also, well, also we skipped over it kind of. But there's also ISDN BRI. Yeah. Uh, which I really, really wanted, but I couldn't afford because I think it was like a hundred and twenty or thirty dollars a month for uh, one. It was allegedly one twenty eight k bps not megabits 120 but really as i recall it was 256 channels and one 8k control channel so you know really got 112 kbps maximum speed yeah which yeah, was still blazing back then i think you could they would like bond they would separate the two voice channels it was yeah two separate voice channels and then if you wanted to use it for data you could have them together yeah and like you said get 128 yeah allegedly <laughs> yeah 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 i don't i don't think i've i don't think i've ever played with that although for many years i had a isdn phone on on my desk which which sounded like the same thing because <laughs> i only used used it for voice so yeah i used it as a backup yeah, well, yeah. The, 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 the people who bought into it, uh, for the phone part of it, because it was also, could, like you said, it could deliver a voice. I think a lot of radio companies bought into ISD and BRI to do remotes because they could uh, get quality control of their audio coming into them, right. Right. which was not possible over, um, you know, normal telephone lines. Well, you could. You actually could get a thing called a program ch circuit, 
which gave you a higher bandwidth mm. for audio. Yeah. But it, it was cheaper to do that ISDN line. Yeah, and the, the endpoint equipment, the telephone handsets were pretty readily available, but pretty expensive too, as I recall. Right. Uh, I never had one. Although I think I played with one just, you know, for testing. But, uh, but yeah, those were the days. I mean, you know, it was really, really something. So when when you were, when or when the company when when Oceanic was rolling out cable modems, and I was one. Like I said, I was one of the customers. I don't think I was an early customer, but I was one of the. In retrospect, not too late. I was like ninety five, ninety six. I think I. Although, like I said, I was working with a DSL team. I got my first cable modem. And that's, that's pretty early, actually. Yeah. Because the official, I think the official launch for for cable modem or Roadrunner, maybe not not cable modem, but Roadrunner was yeah. was October of nineteen ninety seven. Oh, okay. So it must have been later then. I must be mis mis misremembering, but I remember being, being pretty excited when I got it, whenever it was. And um, and it, even though by today's standards it was it's like abysmally slow, but back then it was like amazingly fast compared to you know nineteen point two or even a you know alleged fifty six kbps modems we had back then, which rarely delivered that kind of speed, uh, yeah. you know over un over un uh, untreated copper so to speak you know copper that wasn't conditioned for for data. Yeah. So ninety yeah ninety seven. It was officially launched and just kept on going. And, and there was still a few people with that Land City 10, 10 megabit mm -hmm. uh, symmetrical and for a while and, until until the Roadrunner finally caught up with them. And it never did catch, well, caught up on the upstream way later, but downstream. Yeah. It, it caught up in a, in a few years and then... But Land City lasted for a little longer, and until finally it said, "Oh no, we gotta gotta get rid of this thing. It's taking up too much of the spectrum <laughs> on on the on the coax. So that you have to take it out and use it for for Roadrunner." Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it just kept on kept on growing, kept on doubling doubling its speed and doubling its subscribers and and um, Doxis. Doxis, which is the standard for the cable modem, continue to get better and better. You know, it's it's now Doxis 3.1 and it's going to Doxis 4, which which um, promises you know, 10 10 gig with with Doxis. You know, Doxis 4. So mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, Doxis 3.1 is um, I think 2 2 gig, mm. even though you can't get 2 gig. Mm -hmm. Service, but maybe maybe one day there has to be a, a network uh, done configurations and things done to 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 get a bigger bandwidth for 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 um, cable modem, which is you know which is continually happens. Yeah, yeah. I have to say I've been impressed by the especially in the last I guess ten or fifteen years the you know dramatic improvements have been made i remember like i said i think back when i was first still working at the early days that i was working at the department of commerce and consumer affairs for the cable tv division as you might recall Kimen. right yep 
Um, I think at home I was getting three down, one up. And I remember being really excited when we, went, when we got five down, one up, and then 10 down, maybe 1.5 or three up. Because uh, by then we're seeing the early cloud services and I was uploading photos and things like that for a cloud store, store early cloud storage, which was really expensive back then. Uh, but it was, it, I remember just seeing, wow, this is just so much faster. Um, and I think when I, when Google Photos became available, I don't remember what year, I want to say maybe 2010, 11, 12, somewhere around there, I decided to upload every photo and video I had ever recorded uh, digitally up. It was about 60 gigabytes, I think. And it took a month. <laughs> because, you know, I yeah. mean, I, I didn't get the full, I think I had maybe five megabits up, maybe on a good day, probably more like three. Yeah, uh, probably, probably less. Yeah. <laughs> the up was always trailing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, those numbers all sound familiar now. 10, <laughs> 10 1, 5, 1, and 20, 20 down, you know, it's like those were, those those were every, every year they would kind of push it up a little bit and and um, as then then the internet itself kind of was growing and the usage use of stuff is yeah I don't remember exactly when I started I I used Google Photos as well but I I used many other um, online photo sharing mm-hmm. for photo storage photo sharing apps and I I started fairly early but as you know as um, time went on those those um, services kind of died out <laughs> and then a, a new one got better and, and came on and I just converted to those. And, but I never went back and reloaded all the stuff I reloaded in the previous one. Yeah. So I probably lost a lot of that <laughs> on, at least online. Yeah. You no, know, I've, I've kept them. The originals. Yeah. But, but every once in a while, I just for some nostalgia, I will, Upload some old pictures that I found from a, from from either yeah a work project or a, or a work um, my office at work or or some some activity some event somewhere and look and see us all young and <laughs> with dark hair yeah <laughs> and for some of our friends with hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, ever since I, so, as you might know, I retired at the end of 2022. And one of the things I've been doing, aside from cleaning, which is the major activity in my life now, um, is I've been finding like old photos. I mean, not digital photos, like negatives, uh, printed photos. And I've been, I, I bought a slide slash negative scanner a couple of years ago. So I've been putting that to use to... Um, to you know, to preserve a lot of stuff d- digitally that are not yet preserved, but uh, and just FYI, I started uploading almost everything to like three services: so uh, Google Photos, Amazon Photos, which is free storage if you have Amazon Prime, right, and Microsoft OneDrive, which is I think one or two, one ter- maybe two terabytes, one terabyte per user uh, if you have Microsoft. Um, you know, Office 365 subscription, which is like $100 a year or something. So 
I'm trying to have multiple backups in case, like you said, you know, one of them decides to stop. Yeah, yeah. I use Google Photos as and and uh, the Amazon Photos as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, like you said, Amazon has unlimited photos as long as you don't over over um, load your the video. If it also saves video, but I think there's a limit on the video. And oh, I didn't go, realize that. If, if you go on over that. on the video, yeah, it's it stops uploading your photos as well. I did not know that. I'm going to go look it up after the the podcast to figure find, learn for myself what that limit is. I think it's like a hundred meg or something like that. It's relatively low for you know. Yeah, for, that is for video. Yeah, 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 yeah. I figured that out just. After when it stopped I, backing up. <laughs> yeah. One day I went to check and, hey, it's not uploading anymore. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I should check mine too. I haven't checked it in a while. Uh, you know, I just sort of set it to automatic to upload when I'm on Wi-Fi and, and you know, take care of it that way. Now, I have a question for you because, um, and I don't know if you can answer it. Uh, it's kind of an opinion thing. You might remember years ago, and even nowadays, sometimes you hear people talking about, you know, we're in Hawaii, which is the most isolated, populated, geographic area in the world, uh, as people say. You know, we're 2,500 miles from anywhere. Um, and you might recall there are some people saying back in the 2010 era that, oh, we're going to run out of transoceanic um, capacity. And I remember, I kind of briefly remember or not briefly, I remember speaking up to you briefly about it because, you know, I kept hearing this and I'm like, eh. And uh, I kept saying, but do you know those guys, the lasers? They're so smart. <laughs> they, they keep figuring how to cram more stuff into the same pipe, you know. Um, have you been hearing anything about it lately? I, I really I really haven't heard anybody say that in the last couple of years at least. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's always been discussion and, you know, the last cable... Trans-Pacific Cable, um, I think, was landed 2017, 2018, somewhere along that. And it's, you know, the capacity that it has is amazing amount, but most of it just comes through here. Right. And continues, you know, mainland to the Far East and things like that. So, but, yeah, there's, there's still... There's always ongoing discussion about about trying to get more, and we're gonna before you know before it runs out, and um, you know, or even because because all these cables have a theoretical yes life lifespan yes, and what you know, and and it's usually about twenty five years, and and so at some point it 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 could it could die. I mean, especially. Trans-Pacific cables, which have repeaters, and the, and it's maybe more the that's more susceptible to to dying, or or than than the actual fiber itself. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I know that I think AT&T retired their one of their very early um, undersea cables to Hawaii. I mean, like years and years ago. And I think University of Hawaii was able to get ownership of it and they have they have like undersea observatories so to speak to monitor fish life and or you know sea life i should say not fish life sea life and other things for scientific research so yeah there's probably a number of, of 
Trans-Pacific cables that have got, have been retired. You know, the very first one was actually not even fiber, right? Yeah. It, it was actually coax. Yeah. And that that one and that one landed in Hanama Bay. Yeah. Which uh, you you couldn't get anywhere close to Hanama Bay if you wanted to right now <laughs> with a with a cable. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know how that was called Hawaii one, Hawaii one. And I, I know that one for sure is is not in service, and all the rest, hall two, three, four, five. I think there were five of them um, before there there are other cables named after that. But I don't know how many of those are are still in service. Probably, you know, at least hall hall two or three probably are are off by now. And yeah, and like you said, they they're they repurposed it to do some extra, um, putting sensors down there and and doing a number of things. There's there's actually still a project at um, or a team at UH that that um, is working on that, and they want to actually, if possible, put sensors on other cables that that are still you know working mm-hmm. and and using it using it to pick up all kind of things like you said. Seismic, as well as as well as um, monitoring fish and fish, uh, all kind of temperature and all kind of other things. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think the the uh, retired AT and T cable. I think there might be a webcam you can actually look at. I'll go look that up and put it in our show notes if I can find it. I'm just gonna just gonna look for webcam on retired AT and T. Okay, got a note to myself to go look for that. Hmm. And that would be interesting if it's must have had a cause if it's down on you know the the cable actually is on on the right. seabed. They'd need infrared or something. Yeah. Yeah. In that, which means you need still need power. Yeah. Maybe they're using a wave motion or something. But I I, I thought I remember reading something like that. Or maybe it's uh you know tethered up higher from the cable or something. Oh, it could be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember, but I, I do remember somebody, t- might have been Brian Chi or somebody, but uh, yeah. I yeah. think you probably know, uh, who was working on, actually was working on that project at one point before he retired. Yeah, he's in Florida somewhere. Right, right. Um, so as we moved into the, the 2000s and and broadband became you know more accessible, did you... You know, by that time, like how many? I don't know if you can even say how many, but I know there, there were like probably tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of customers by the time we hit like maybe 2010, probably if I if I had to guess. 2010. Yeah, I I can't remember that the days kind of and the years kind of blend <laughs> yeah, blend you. already. I yeah, hear you. When we're talking nowadays, yeah, about 400,000, 500,000. Yeah. Um, internet customers or subscribers and you know it's been growing growing steadily throughout all the years i mean i i remember going way back and it's this um and i don't know if you remember him don carroll i was the president of, of oceanic the I, first i never first, met him but i remember the name yeah yeah so, so when when i started at, at roadrunner i remember having a discussion with don and he was asked me a question at that point you know there were probably 300,000 TV cable TV customers and mm-hmm. you know maybe 
1,000 or 2,000 cable modem customers. And I remember him asking, do you think people, people will buy this stuff, this cable, <laughs> this cable modem stuff? And that way back then I'd tell him, yeah, I think so. I think he'll, he'll catch on. You know, and, and it, I don't know exactly which, which year it turned out to be, but it, and the cable modem kept on growing and cable TV kept on going down. And at some, at some point in time, it actually crossed over the line where there were more cable modem customers than cable TV customers. Oh, interesting. And by that, you mean like cable modem only? They literally didn't have cable TV? They're just no, subscribing they, they, to... They might, have, they might have had both. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. But, but the total number of <laughs> cable modem customers six, um, surpassed uh, the TV customers, which uh, way back in the... Yeah, in the year 2000, who would have guessed? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and a, a kind of a related story, I guess, is back in 95 or 96, I remember going, flying up to Dallas where GTE Telops had its headquarters back then. You know, I should know GTE got bought by Bell Atlantic and became Verizon for people who don't remember. Um, I know I know Kimi knows this, but for yep. other, other people. And I remember going up to uh, flying up. Actually, it's Irving, Texas, for for people who want to be you know precise about it, which is outside of Dallas proper. But at any rate, uh, home of the Dallas Cowboys, by the way. But <laughs> um, uh, I remember uh, going up there to do a presentation, and I said, uh, you know, our R one, our residential lines, uh, that number is going to plummet in the next ten years. And they said, no, no, it's not going to plummet. And I, I pointed out to them that, A, the reason why we have so many, we had sold so many R1 residential lines is because people, some people like me, had a separate line for our modems because we were online so much and a separate line for voice. And in my home, I actually had three lines. I also had one for fax. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, had, I had three R1 lines in my home. And I said, you know, as, as, as cable modems become a thing, uh, they're not going to need a separate R1 line for data. Um, and I said, I don't know if faxes are going to last much longer either. And I said, another other thing is, have you seen the cell phone thing? <laughs> it's, it's really expensive per minute. I think I was paying 75 cents a minute for, for voice time. No, no. I think it was 29 cents a minute local. And if I was long distance, it was 75 cents a minute. Um it was really expensive to have a cell phone back then. Mm -hmm. I said, but if this thing gets really cheap, like unlimited calling, and they started just rolling their eyes at me. <laughs> you know, I said, nobody's going to need a phone. And, you know, at that point, they kind of dismissed me and says, oh, yeah, well, very interesting, you know, tale. You might want to start writing science fiction. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds sounds uh, very, very much like how it went. And, and yeah. People were so used to phone, having phone lines and stuff for so many, so, so long that, that yeah, I couldn't see anything else. Yeah. And so change, change is inevitable. And, you know, just like now, we're, we're all, you know, all the, all the, um, I mean, right now, this, all the copper lines and are they all going to go to, to fiber? Mm hmm yeah, it's it's uh, every place but my house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently. 
Because uh, I remember seeing that your... Actually, I remember seeing, well, your contractor's trucks rolling down the highway like a mile, literally less than a mile from my home. Uh, years and years ago, I said, oh, they're rolling fiber. And it was like every place but me got fiber. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fiber, fibers, you know, it continues to grow. And uh, you know, even for Trichardus, Spectrum still, you know, still has a, a fair life um, expectancy with with coax because mm-hmm. coax keeps the coax technology keeps on improving and and it's, it's speeds keep on pushing up higher and higher that they're they're changing the network to to um, make it more symmetrical as well so that that's uh that's going to take a long time but uh well maybe it won't take that long it's gonna gonna have to uh speed along you know as as things things grow and and then wireless you know wireless continues to grow like you said and but what um you know, what people got to remember about wireless is your that last mile may be wireless from from a from the cell site to your yeah. your phone but that cell site back to the rest of the network needs some kind of physical yep cable that, yep. that's Oh, it, it's not coming down from the sky. It's not, uh, at least at, not at this time. It's not coming down from a satellite, and it's totally, um, totally wireless. There's still a, a, um, a need for a wire line. Yep. Whether whether it be a, a, a coax fiber, <laughs> a coax wire line or a, or a fiber wire line, you, know, you probably it won't be a twisted pair fiber line or twisted pair wire line <laughs> that's probably that's probably going out already except my my house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm on my cable modem is still coax um and i get about 250 down 25 up and that's only because i refuse to change my cable modem i don't ask why it's just you know superstition uh i'll change it when it breaks yeah, um, that 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 happened uh, previously before when they were there, they were on the older versions of the cable modems, and at some point they wanted to retire all the, yeah, all all of them, and and they would send out notices to to the customers that had the old modems and say, kind of warn them, you know, <laughs> to come and change and get faster service, and at at some point they they're, they're saying. Your your modem is going to stop working because because it's it's just too old and that that service isn't available. It's kind of like wireless. Wireless has you know the different versions of one X, two, you know, um, you know yeah, five G, four G, LTE, three yep. G, then and some of the the um, the previous ones actually have gone out of service. That that was just kind of recent too. You know, yes. The, the parking meters, right? Yes. The, the city, city parking meters. Right. Verizon turned off their CDMA network. Yeah. And, and the parking meters were all on CDMA data. So the, the parking meters stopped working. I think they got that replaced. They were pretty fast about right. it, I I, yeah. I must admit. I thought it would take a lot longer for them to address it. Yeah. This, I think it it's probably wasn't hard to change. It's just getting getting the... It's a the lot of them. Mod- Getting yeah. and getting the new modules from, you know, we still have supply chain issues nowadays. Yes, yeah, especially anything with a chip. 
yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, that was, I mean, and, and the thing that people, people have never done communications operations is truck rolls are expensive, <laughs> you know, huh? and uh, it takes a, even a skilled technician, takes some time to do everything one at a time. Um, yeah. You know, it's like when somebody backhoes an old twisted pair copper telephone line and, you know, there's 3,000 pairs in a, in a bundle and yeah. it might not even be color-coded, it might just be all brown paper wrap and they got to tone every one to figure out which one is going where. It's, it's a lot of work, you know, it's not instantaneous. It's not just a keyboard tap somewhere to fix it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, it's... it's... Well, they, not many of those are still working, but... My house. Yeah. <laughs> Except your house, okay. <laughs> I still I, I still have a nid with no lock on it. Please don't kill my phone, people. Because <laughs> I still have a wireline phone, which I'm finally going to get rid of now that I've retired. Um, but yeah, you I still got it. Huh? You import it to your cell phone. No, no, because all I get is a spam voice, uh, spam calls, you know, like, you know, your car warranty has expired. Yeah, it expired like 10 years ago, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, all I, I literally get only spam calls, in, including the infamous, if you, NPR did a story in it years ago, I just started getting them again. Actually, on my cell phone is uh, the calls that are in Mandarin. And they're threatening you with deportation and things unless you, you know, send money to a certain place and. Uh, Google Translate is great for translating these this you know foreign <laughs> language spam, <laughs> or at least languages I don't speak, but uh, but for sure, for sure, yeah, the good old days. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and it is it is pretty amazing. I mean, some days you know when I'm sort of tapping my finger waiting for like something to download, you know, like I'm waiting like a whole minute. <laughs> You know, you know, I I think back, and I've been as I've been going through my my stuff, my what I call my home archaeological dig, and I've been finding things like that that one way express box from Oceanic Cable, and and other gear. Um, it, it's just amazing how far we've progressed uh, in broadband. At least for those of us who are fortunate to have it, and I should know that I I did some of the broadband mapping stuff when I was at the uh, Department of Con um, Commerce and Consumer Affairs, and there's still a lot of populated areas in Hawaii, mostly in rural areas, that still don't have really any wired broadband, and some of them didn't even have, uh, you know, wireless. Um, I know there's some places in the Big Island uh, that people couldn't get any wireline broadband, and they were they could barely get wireless data. So it was, you know, pretty challenging for them to to do anything. It's improved over the last couple of years, especially, but. You know, ten years ago, and yeah, about ten years ago, when I was doing this stuff, it was it was still pretty challenging for those folks. Yeah, that that continues, like you said. There's still there's still places. I don't know if there's a lot, relatively speaking, but yeah, there are places that that they don't have wireline. They 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 might have wireless, and and or they might have um, some places have satellite communications, but you know, hopefully one day they will they will have you know better service and yeah. So there's a lot of money being you know, expended now or not 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 exactly expended, but it's a lot of money coming from the federal mm -hmm. programs to to build build um, internet to to every you know everyone that 
it, um, assuming everyone that wants it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there are some big, fairly good-sized grants that allowed um, some providers to run lines out to areas on the Big Island that, you know, back when I was working for DCCA that didn't have anything. And now they've, I think they've got fiber, you know, going out right. to some parts of Puna and Mountain View and those areas on the Big Island. So um, lots of good progress. Hopefully a lot more to come. Yeah, it's just, it's going to take a while. Yeah, not, for it's sure. It's not going to be instant. But, no. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it's, um, you know, building building this stuff does take take a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I said earlier, people have never done operations. You know, they, you got to have a truck roll to do this kind of stuff. you got to have a construction crew. Yeah. And, yeah. and most importantly, you need lawyers to get right away. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the hard part sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, there, there, right away permits and approvals, and yeah, there's, there's lots of those. <laughs> it's all part. It's all part of the process. Definitely, definitely. Well, any rate, Keeman. Hey, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to to uh, record this podcast with me and kind of go down broadband memory lane. That was it was a lot of fun, especially you know trying to get my timeline correct. Like, uh, when did I get a cable modem? I mean, sometime in the 90s later than i thought i thought 95 96 but if you guys rolled it on 97 then that's when i got it i guess because <laughs> i wasn't yeah. like on a pilot or anything oh. yeah lots of fun think, thinking about this stuff again and and uh you know glad you asked me uh to talk about this before i completely forgot <laughs> every everything because it's uh it's you know this has been very f for me when I you know got out of school and I started working, this this is you're talking about the 1980s. Yeah, and so you know, it's 40 years, and um, been it's been amazing, amazing. Um, see, got to see a, a technology grow and 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 uh, provide all this service, and I got to you know, being an engineer, traditionally an engineer, you know, being able to play with this stuff along the way is is, is been uh you know been a great experience oh i can imagine yeah i i, I feel the same way um I, we i don't know about you at the time i didn't think we were pioneering anything i just thought you know we were just doing what we had but in retrospect the stuff that either we were just experiencing as an end user or participating in uh, in terms of our our jobs uh it was really pioneering work now that you know i look back on it and it says wow we we did a lot either you know we, as in the royal, we as everybody, or you know, we personally in various projects, we were privileged to be associated with, and it's uh, it's been fun looking back as I literally go through my, like I said, at my my post -re or my retirement archaeological dig, and <laughs> it's one of the reasons I called you up. I said, Kevin, <laughs> I want to talk to you about this because because obviously I'm misremembering stuff. Like I got the year wrong for when I got my cable modem, but. Uh, but thank you. This was way, way fun. And I appreciate you, you, your time. You'll find all your old, uh, you find all your old oceanic bills. I did actually. <laughs> I've been, you know, I am such a pack rat, which is driving my wife nuts. And so I mean, finally, literally, taking boxes and shredding stuff and tossing stuff and, uh, like uh, you know, as you know, I have an adult daughter, and I found instructions on how to install her car seat. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking I don't need this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna toss it. Mm -hmm. 
I also found a book on how to modify Windows 95 registry entries, <laughs> which I don't think I need anymore. So, uh, yeah, yeah, lots of fun stuff like that that are going out the, going out to the, into the shredder or simply being tossed out because nobody would want the book, even for free. Yeah, I I found Roadrunner manuals and things, <laughs> but, but I just I just kept it for old times' sake and seen that. And it had the nice graphics and things, and but uh, no more, no need of it. We're never, we're never going to use those things anymore. <laughs> yep. Anyway, this has been uh, Mobile Views Podcast 445, Hawaii Tiki's edition with, uh, like I said, my old acquaintance, Keeman Wong, um, in our parallel but uh, similar track record through our careers. So thank you, Keeman. Yeah.